Acts chapter 22 and verse 25. We start with verse 25. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yeah. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. Paul said, But I was freeborn. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. I want to pull our subject from the 28th verse this morning when Paul said, I was freeborn. I just want to talk to you today about freeborn. Would you say that with me today? Freeborn. I know born free is a story about a bunch of lions and stuff in Africa. We're not going to talk about that this morning, but we are going to talk about what Paul said, free born. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Paul was raised in Jerusalem, but he was born in Tarsus. Tarsus was no ordinary city. Tarsus, which is now in south central Turkey, was the capital city of the Sicilian or Cilicia Providence, a Roman Providence, having been conquered in 67 B.C. by Pompeii. It was the location where Mark Anthony and Cleopatra first met and where they resided for some time as their fleets were being built. It was an important city for Rome because it was on the coast connecting land and sea. It was important for trade and and it had a distinguished academy for learning that was in the city of Tarsus. If you were born in Tarsus, you were born in a Roman providence. You were a Roman citizen. These residents of Tarsus, they enjoyed this status. To be a citizen of Rome was to be protected by the Roman Empire, most powerful empire in the world at that time. In addition, Paul's uh, father was also a Roman citizen. So Paul was a Jew, but he had this Roman citizenship based on the fact that he was born in Tarsus. And that little tidbit of information came in handy when they wanted to rough him up and put him in prison for preaching the gospel. And you couldn't do that to a Roman citizen you had to follow a proper due process of making sure they had had a hearing and that there was certain rights that were afforded to Roman citizens regardless of where they were. Well, when Paul sort of dropped that information in the lap of the centurion who was in charge of beating and locking him up, the centurion took that information to the chief captain. And they were anxious from hearing this because they realized that they had made a mistake. They thought they were just roughing up some Jews that were stirring up trouble. And 
They didn't really care for the Jews anyhow. They saw them as being uncouth and inhabitants of a desert and a hot place that nobody wanted to be at. If you were Roman, Roman guard or centurion, you didn't want to be stationed out there. You wanted to be back in Rome. So they didn't really treat the Jewish people all that well. And they just sort of roughed him up. And then when they found out that he was a Roman citizen, they were in trouble. Uh-oh. I think this is what happens in the spirit world. When you have the name of Jesus applied to your life, the devil can't just rough you up like he does everybody else. The devil may take your friends and rough them up and put them in jail and keep them in captivity, but you got a citizenship of another place. I rise this morning to say the devil can't just cause trouble in your life without there being some permission granted to him. If you've been buried in the name of Jesus, if you've been filled with his spirit, hallelujah, you're a child of the king, you've got a citizenship that is going to get you to heaven, hallelujah, and the devil can't just come and put you in prison and put you in captivity and put you in bondage without your permission. That's why you don't ever give the devil permission. Don't ever put yourself in a position where you are given permission to the enemy to put you in captivity. You say, well, how do we do that? Things that you watch are given the devil permission to put you in captivity. The things that you take into your body that defile you, those things give the devil permission. Words that come out of your mouth, out of frustration and anger. The way that we treat our fellow man. Don't ever give the devil any permission to put you in prison. Everything that comes out of your mouth ought to be a blessing. It ought to be saying, I'm going to bless my brother. I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to bless those, hallelujah, that despitefully use me. I'm going to say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised because I want the world to know, the natural world and the spiritual world to know that I've got a citizenship, hallelujah. I'm planning on making heaven my home and the enemy has no right in my heart, in my spirit, in my home, on my family. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We ought to bless our children. We ought to pronounce a blessing on our children every day. I bless you, hallelujah. There's so many times you can get frustrated with family members, you don't even realize it, but you'll find yourself saying stuff that you wish you hadn't have, and afterwards you're like, that's probably not the best thing to say, but you know what? Every day you ought to get up and pray a prayer and say, Lord, let there be blessings that come out of my mouth. Let there be blessings that I speak upon my spouse, upon my children, upon my co-workers. Let everything that comes out of me bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that in me is. Hallelujah. Because I don't want to be put in any kind of a prison. I don't want the devil to put me in a place of captivity by getting a wrong spirit. I want to bless the Lord on this, the Lord's day. Oh, when the chief captain went to inquire, he said, I purchased my Roman citizenship with a great sum of money, insinuating that Paul had done the same thing. But Paul said, not me. I was free born. Hallelujah. I kind of can see him saying that with a little bit of pride. Holy Ghost pride. Not me. I didn't buy my way into this. I was born into this. Mm. I was born into this status. I didn't have to buy it. This may be 
similar to what some people do, and maybe this is a good example with the United States. People from other countries go through a long, expensive process to be a citizen of this country. But you may have received it just because you hit the God's goodness jackpot and was born into the greatest nation on this earth. Some of y'all barely applaud because you're not convinced of it. Well, you need to go with me on some mission trips. I guarantee you'll join me today in saying that we live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And I believe that when we say that, we honor everybody that has died in the armed services by protecting our freedom so that you and I can stand here today and say thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be a citizen of this country. And I know that this country is not perfect, but the very fact that you and I have the right to criticize it is a sign that we're a blessed people. The very fact that we can assemble together in this house without fear of being arrested is a sign that God has blessed us. Before he passed away, my good friend, Brother Benny DeMerchant, down in the Amazon, a missionary for over 50 years, he told me, he said, David, I believe that God continues to bless America because America leads the world in providing finances for mission projects. And it is God's desire to reach the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if America has to be that vehicle, I say, come on, let's keep on giving and let's keep on going and let's keep on praying and let's keep on spreading the gospel because if we do, God will keep on blessing America. If God is good to Israel, God will keep on blessing America. And God has been good to us and God has blessed us. And I'm thankful that I was born in the United States of America. I was freeborn. Amen. I'm thankful for that. You can't choose where you were born. You can't choose who your parents are. But if you were born in America, that ought to be enough to shout right there. Because you didn't have a choice in it. And if you were born into a good family, that's another reason to shout. If you were born in America and you were born into a good family and you don't like your life, everything else is your fault. <laughs> you were given a good start. You messed everything else up. Born in America, born to a good family, hallelujah. Oh, I'm telling you what, that means God gave you opportunity. Now what you do with the opportunity is up to you. And if you messed everything else up, I've got good news for you. God's given you another chance. He can make all the wrongs right and give you another opportunity. Woo, hallelujah. Freeborn. Born into freedom question though I have for you this morning is this is it really free 
Paul was freeborn in Tarsus, but there had been a big price that had been paid with blood and sacrifice as Roman armies had given numerous lives to conquer this providence. I was freeborn in America, but it is not free. Countless lives have been given, blood has been shed for me and you to live in the land of freedom. Freedom is not free. If you are free, it is because the price has already been paid. It is not because it did not cost anything. I have a friend that's in this city, and he does not go to this church, but he is very kind, and he gives to a lot of our mission projects. And if he ever sees me or my father or others that are with us in a restaurant, he does not even come over and say hello. But when we go to pay for the bill, they always say it has already been taken care of. He's already gone. I look around the restaurant and there's nobody in there I know. But then I know who has come to Cracker Barrel and sat in another section and saw it. Now, it would be wrong for me to think that I can go into Cracker Barrel and eat for free for the rest of my life. Because eating in Cracker Barrel is not free. But it was on that occasion because somebody paid the price. Oh, hallelujah. Freedom is not free just because you and I enjoy it every day. It's free because somebody has gone before us and has paid the price. This weekend, we celebrate Memorial Day, a time when we give thanks to the hundreds of thousands of lives that have been lost to preserve our freedom. Arlington Cemetery alone holds the remains of more than 400,000 men and women who have died in the defense of our freedom. We owe them a great debt. Why don't you clap your hands for those that have given their life in defense of this country. Thank you. Thank you to all the men and women that we may never meet on this side. Thank you. Thank you for all the names we don't know. Thank you for the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, where they still guard that tomb and to commemorate those whose names may not go down in any kind of history, but yet their, their life was given. Even though Arlington National Cemetery holds over 400,000 bodies, it is only one of more than 130 national cemeteries in America. That means that even those 400,000 lives is only scratching the surface. This is a price that was paid by men and women who gave their life. But did you know that Memorial Day was first called the Great Jubilee Day? 
This is something that I just learned in researching Memorial Day. It was once called the Great Jubilee Day. How awesome in the year of Jubilee for First Pentecostal Church. As we are celebrating the 50 days of Jubilee and focusing on freedom today, that we would learn that the Memorial Day that you and I are going to celebrate tomorrow was first called the Great Jubilee Day, held on Monday, May the 26th, 1783, in North Stratford, which is now Trumbull, Connecticut, commemorating the end of the fighting of the American Revolutionary War. This celebration included feasting. Oh, hallelujah. That's another thing I love about America. We celebrate, we celebrate with food. Being a Pentecostal is one big celebration. <laughs> History says they celebrated with feasting, with prayer, with speeches, with toasts, and two companies of the North Stratford Militia performing maneuvers with cannon discharges. It was the first documented celebration following the war. And it was called the Great Jubilee Day. It was held at a church. This is one holiday that started in a church. The Great Jubilee Day, which later on became known as Decoration Day and then finally as Memorial Day. But history records that it started as a Great Jubilee Day where there was a prayer service and a parade. This started in a church. I believe more than anybody on the face of the earth, you and I that come to church on a regular basis, we ought to understand that we have a special jubilee. We have something special in our spirits that reminds us that we were free born. You say, how can that be? Well, it would make sense that this started as a jubilee day that honored the fallen soldiers by honoring Christ. Because there is a connection, my friend. We are free born in the spirit when we are born again of the water and the spirit. Jesus taught that for us to have this freedom, we have to be in Christ. And it is because we have experienced and we are still experiencing the freedom that comes because of the price that was paid on Calvary, you and I can be free born again. I'm thankful that I was born in America, but I'm even more thankful that I've been born of the water and I've been born of the spirit and you and I don't have to live in the captivity of fear and sin and hurt and heartache. Because the price has been paid at Calvary. We have freedom from sin because Jesus paid the price. He gave his life. We have freedom from want because of the price that he paid. We have freedom from pain because of the price that he paid. 
We have freedom from fear because of the price that he paid. We are born in sin and we are shapen in iniquity, but we were born again free. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so thankful for Calvary. I'm thankful that there's a God that gives us not only natural freedom, but spiritual freedom as well. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Every transgression leaves a wound. So he took all the wounds. He was bruised for our iniquities. Every iniquity of sin leaves a bruise, a mark, a stain. He took all of that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I said he took all of that. Hallelujah. When something does not go right, whether it is sickness or a sin or a death, there has to be a fix. And there is only one who can fix it. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's still fixing those that are bruised. He's still removing the mark and the stain of sin. He's still making things right that were not right. And he's doing it through Calvary. That particular verse goes on to say the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Chastisement is correction. The correction, as it were, so that you and I could live in peace was upon him. He created all of us to live in peace. But sin came in, and it brought fear, and it brought pain, and it brought struggle, and peace disappeared. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ took on that correction. He restored it back to the way that we were intended to live. And you and I can lay our head down at night and we don't have to live in fear of a foreign government showing up at our house with AK-47s in the middle of the night. That peace of mind was purchased by the men and women that fought for the freedom of our nation. But that is not the only peace that you and I have. There is a spiritual peace that comes. That you and I can lay our head down at night. And though you may be suffering with all kinds of things that are out of your control. God can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And it is a freedom that man cannot explain. All man can do is try to give you another pill. But there is a God, hallelujah, that can set you free and give you peace, peace, peace. An ocean of peace that flows from the innermost being of a man or a woman who will turn their heart to God. He purchased that peace. He corrected the bent, if I can say it that way. He restored the order. I'm going to ask Dr. Myers to come and to give her testimony. Would you welcome Dr. Myers?
Sometimes the Lord allows us <coughs> to go through difficult times. You will not live for God very long before you will realize that. I have lived for God for 64 years. Praise the Lord. 64 years. And obviously, in that length of time, I have experienced many things. I have found the Lord to be true in every circumstance, in every heartache, in every want, in every sickness. I have found him to be a faithful friend. Friends are wonderful. We all need friends, but there's no friendship. Somebody wrote a song like the friendship with Jesus. Fellowship divine. Oh, what great blessing. Jesus, Jesus is a friend of mine. And he's been my friend for 64 years. But five months ago, I experienced something I had never experienced in 64 years. As most of you know, I fell in December 2016, and I cracked my pelvic bone. It was carelessness. I didn't question why did this happen to me. Things happen. Life happens. You get the flu. You have cancer. I've had cancer eight years ago. Things happen. As the Bible says, it rains on the just and the unjust. So I didn't think I fell as a punishment or I didn't think there was anything spiritual about it. I just tripped and I fell and the result was a cracked pelvic bone. So I went to the hospital. It happened in Orlando. I was there for the wedding of my grandchild. So two days before the wedding, unfortunately, I fell, and I went to the wedding in a wheelchair. But I went. Uh, while in the hospital, they x-rayed my side and said it was a crack, but thank God it wasn't separated. So I didn't need surgery, and I was so thankful for that. But they said there's nothing we can do. It'll just take, you know, therapy and rest. And in six to eight weeks, you should be fine. Well, that sounded fine. I came home. I checked into a rehab uh, facility in Palm Bay, and I began therapy. That went great. It wasn't painful. In fact, I was supposed to take the pain pills before therapy, but I never felt any pain. And that begs me to say something right here, that sometimes you can experience disappointments and physical uh, ailments and not feel pain. Sometimes you can be hurt and even not feel the pain because he knows, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He knows how to keep you in a place of peace. So I was good. I thought, okay, I'll go through the therapy. I stopped taking the pain pills early on, no pain. 
I was walking, I was doing great. I was looking forward to going home. But something else happened. While in rehab, they told me I had um, encountered or I had developed high blood pressure, which I never had before. And so they put me on medication for high blood pressure. But the medication wasn't helping. And ladies and gentlemen, some days they would come, you know, when you're in the hospital, they check your blood pressure every day, your vitals. They would come and I would dread that machine. It would clang, clang, come down the hallway and come in my room and put that thing on my uh, arm. And some days it was okay and some days it was very high. And one night while I was in rehab, my son had just left visiting me. The nurse came in, took my blood pressure, and it was 224. She said, you may have a stroke. So she called the doctor. It was late. And he changed my medicine, went back to sleep, and said, I'll see you in the morning. I'm glad God never says that. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's a God that never sleeps. The Bible says he doesn't even get sleepy. He doesn't slumber. But the doctor went to sleep, and I did not sleep that night. And I did not sleep for many nights. I was so afraid of getting a stroke. You see, in the rehab facility, there were people that were being rehabilitated for a stroke. And it was so sad, their hands. And, and their heads, and one man, I remember distinctly, he, he uh, was, had a stroke, and he couldn't even stand up, and he had this big band around him, and he, it was connected to a pulley, and, and they had to pull him, and I watched them while I was in the same room learning how to walk. I watched them pull him up, and just he was just extended and, and, and not standing on his own. He had a stroke. So I thought, oh, God, please don't let me get a stroke. And, and I couldn't sleep. And they kept changing my meds. My blood pressure was so, uh, uh, was so uh, unsteady. But they sent me home uh, with home health care. God bless all the home health care people. Sister Lizette, she works in that facility. And she, I will never forget. She was my angel nurse, Lizette. She, I called her no matter when. She said, when I would get really scared and my heart would race and I'd get fearful, I'd call Lizette. And in her very calm, cool way, she would come. It didn't matter if it was midnight, 2 o'clock in the morning, just getting home from work when she was looking forward, I'm sure, to supper and relaxing. She'd come to my house before she went home. God bless Lizette. I can't see over there. Is she here? If she's not here this morning. Anyway, never will I forget her and all of you. Many of you came to the house and the hospital and prayed for me, and my family was so supportive. But while I was in the care of home health, uh, part of their care is to take your blood pressure every time they come. I dreaded it. I dreaded it. 
because I knew that some of those days it was probably going to be high and maybe I would get a stroke. So I was so nervous. And um, while I was in the care of home health people, one night, for whatever reason, my heart, and some of you, a lot of you have experienced, I know what I'm talking about today, and I hope that this testimony blesses you. But one night, when I was in the care of the home health people, I, I, it was night, and I just woke up, and my heart was beating out of my chest, and I couldn't breathe, and I woke up my husband, I said, I'm going to have a heart attack. Something's wrong, I, my heart. And so he took me to the emergency room. I was shaken. I was fearful. I was anxious. I was miserable. And I went to the ER, and they checked everything and put the uh, EKG monitors on. They said, you're okay. They said, it's anxiety. It's anxiety. So I said, oh, okay. So, you know, what do I do with that? So I, I went back home, and after a few more days, again, this came upon me. It just came out of nowhere. And my heart would beat and race, and, and I would try to calm down. And, and, you know, my family would say, think of something pleasant and deep breathe. And, and I know about all those things. I teach those things, but it didn't work for me. I, I could not. I was just so anxious and so fearful and so miserable. And so again, my husband took me to the ER. And again, they put all the things on me and kept me overnight. Just gave me all kind of heart tests, just in case. Here's this frantic woman, you know, maybe, maybe something is wrong with her heart. So they gave me the echocardiogram and took all kind of things and kept me 24 hours and could not find one thing wrong with my heart. It was anxiety and fear, fear. And little to my knowledge, uh, they gave me pills in the ER room that I was not aware of for, to control anxiety. And the pill they gave me was Ativan, very strong, anxiety-controlling medicine. I didn't know it, what it was. They didn't ask me. They just gave it to me. Probably, maybe she won't show up again in the ER. <laughs> and uh, so I had to take that pill three times a day. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, I could tell when the time was near for me to take Ativan because I would start shaking, and it was so real. Don't ever, don't ever uh, underestimate what fear, we're talking about fear and freedom from fear today. Don't ever underestimate what fear can do. It is so real. I, I'm not a, that much of a, I had cancer and went through all that, and I didn't ever experience fear. And, and I've had other situations, but for some reason, this blood pressure in this situation was very fearful, and, and, and I couldn't do anything about it. I was the cause of my own problems. I was causing high blood pressure because I was anxious, and I was having to take anxiety pills because I was so anxious. 
it's a terrible, terrible feeling to feel fear. And the Bible, there's one scripture that says, fear hath torment. How true that is. How true. But I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I've been serving God all my life. Why? I mean, then I begin to question, why do I have so much fear? I shouldn't be so fearful. God is with me. And I remember praying early on when I first went to rehab. I remember praying, God, you know, touch me, heal me, help me. And I couldn't get an answer. But way in the back in the recesses of my mind, I thought I heard a soft, still voice. And sometimes he speaks to you like that. And the voice said, you'll be all right. That was it. You'll be all right. And I held on to that. It wasn't much, but I thought, okay, I'm going to be all right. And so uh, I was taking this medicine. And in the meantime, my husband's mother was at the point of death. So we were going to go up there thinking, you know, we were going to be attending her funeral. So we drove up there, and I remember my son saying, I wonder if mom thanked my family. They were so kind, my daughter. Uh, I wonder if mom can, can make that trip. As my daughter said, you were a different person, mom. You were a different personality, and I was. But I couldn't help myself. I wanted to. I wanted to be strong, and I wanted to be brave, and I wanted to not worry, but I couldn't help myself. And there will be times when you can't help yourself. You can't. You try. You take pills, whatever. But it's bigger than you are. And this was bigger than me. It was bigger than my will and my education and, and everything. It was bigger than all of that. And so I made the trip, and I went to see my husband's mother. I went in the room. She was, you know, not conscious, but I said my goodbyes to her, and I spoke to her. I was always very close to my mother-in-law. And I went back out in the room, and every day we went to that house, but I could never, and I never went back in that room because... I knew it may cause me an anxiety attack. One time in the hospital, it was so bad, my whole body shook. I mean, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I went through the most horrible panic attack. And it was terrible. And uh, my uh, daughter and son-in-law were visiting. She came every day. Never a day went by that Denise didn't come and see me. And uh, so just before they came, I had this panic attack. And the nurse held my hand. And, you know, it took about, they gave me a strong pill, a double dose of Ativan. And after a while, you know, I calmed down. And before Denise left that night, I'll never forget, she said, Mom, I think it's a spiritual problem. I think you're having a spiritual problem. And I looked at them, and I said, please fast for me. Somebody needs to fast for me. And they did. 
they fasted from me. God bless them, my son-in-law and my daughter. And they came back to the rehab and after fasting all that day, and they, uh, they came back and we were in the uh, waiting, the uh, dining room and there were people and we went in this corner and we prayed and I spoke in tongues. That is such a refreshing, oh my God. It is, you know, it is so beautiful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I spoke in tongues for the first time since I fell. I just spoke in tongues and they spoke in tongues and the spirit of God just came all over me and, and I felt very encouraged. But after going home, like I said, I went to the home where my mother-in-law was dying. One of those mornings, uh, before we went to her home to, to be there with the family and all, I opened up my Bible and I turned to this verse, Isaiah 12 and 2. I just randomly opened it. And here's what it said. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. Thank you. His word is so true. Thank you, Lord. There was so much determination, Isaiah wrote, in that, you know, there was a determined will. I will trust. I will not be afraid. And I felt like God was speaking to me through that verse because I just randomly read it. And I said, okay, I will trust. I will not be afraid. I will trust. I will not be afraid. And we went to the house and stayed all day and they didn't know it but in my mind I said that verse over and over that's a good thing to do the word of God is powerful it is so powerful don't ever estimate the word of God never you know the Lord spoke to the devil with words and and when the devil can and I do believe it was a spiritual thing the Lord allowed me to go through it and and I just said that over and over, all day, all afternoon, all night. I just, I wouldn't let go, and I quit taking Ativan that day. And <laughs> praise the Lord. So we went back to the motel where we were staying. Of course, the enemy was saying, you know, you're going to have withdrawal. I would never. And no one, you should never, ever tell anyone to stop taking medicine. I would never do that. As much as I knew that God had impressed me, I would not have done it. I, I took that medicine faithfully, and I'm sure it helped me. But this day, God intervened. This day was the last day. But I would not have done it without his direction. I promise you I wouldn't have because... You know, I didn't know what Ativan was, but I read and, and looked it up as we do in Google and WebMed, and you can have hallucinations if you stop it abruptly, and you can have seizures, and you can have muscle cramping, I mean, you can have all kinds of things. 
and I stopped abruptly. That's what I did. And so the devil was like, oh, you're going to suffer. Something's going to go wrong. And I, then I thought of the scripture, you know, whom the son hath set free is free indeed. We're talking about freedom, right? Freedom, freedom, freedom. And so I, I, got, I went home and I laid on the bed in the, uh, in the hotel. And uh, all of a sudden, and I say all of a sudden because it was so all of a sudden, as soon as I laid my head down, this peace started from the bottom of my feet and it just came all the way up. Thank you, Jesus. I laid, and it was so, if I can say it, it was thick. And I tried to explain it to my family and all I could liken it to was a thick blanket, just like somebody came in the room and they got a beautiful big blanket, big enough to cover my body and just laid it on top of me. And I felt like I was floating, just floating in peace. And I just praise the Lord and I worship the Lord. And that's been over two and a half months and I have never, ever, not one time, I have not been fearful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Never. And then uh, when the pastor asked me yesterday to give this testimony, we were talking about you know, how we are, our salvation in the scripture 53, 5, and you can put that up again, um, that, you know, we are delivered, we're free from sin because of Calvary. But I said, there's something about peace in that verse. And he looked it up and there it is. There it is. Bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement, and he read it of our peace. And all of a sudden, that became a new revelation to me that not only, not only is salvation purchased on Calvary, but your peace. Your peace is purchased. He has already purchased, paid the price for all your worries and all your anxieties and all your fears because of Calvary. Praise the Lord for Calvary. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so just a few days ago, and I'll close with this, just a few days ago, I woke up with a song. This came to me, and the song was Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep within. I really was. I was sinking deep within, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply pained within, sinking. I felt like I was going to die. I looked at my family one day at the house and I thought, Lord, I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to die. And if you had to rationalize this fear, I didn't have a terminal illness. 
It was irrational for me to be so scared, but I was, and I couldn't help myself. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But then the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could do. Love lifted me. Some of you old timers can sing that with me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Jesus, I feel like that there's some other people here today that can relate to what Dr. Myers has talked to us about. This is something that we experienced in our family, and it's very, very real. I used to say to my mom, Mom, just pray. God will help you. And she's like, Son, I know. I've prayed all my life. Sometimes it's bigger than you are. You, you, you can't even put the words together to pray. And it's something about having the support of your brothers and sisters around you. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost prays for us sometimes when we can't even put the words together. <coughs> Groanings that cannot be uttered. And I think that this morning there is a God in heaven that wants to give freedom to every single person in this building. I don't know what you may be dealing with. I don't know what you may be suffering from. But I know one thing. Fear is not of God. He has not given us the spirit of fear. He has given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We know that he loves us, that he died for us, that he chose us. And I would like for us to come together this morning around the front. I'd like for us to take the hands of people that we're standing next to. And I'd like for us just to pray together. I'm not going to prolong this, but I feel like that the Holy Ghost is speaking. And I want to ask God right now to give freedom to every single person, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical. I want to ask God to give us freedom right now. And if you would come down and you would maybe take the hand of a person that you're standing next to, let's come together. Let's pray for one another this morning. Can we do that? Can we just pray for one another right now? Whatever you may be facing. I'm going to ask God to just give you a freedom in your spirit, in your mind, and in your heart. Say, Lord, I want to be free to worship you. I want to be free to glorify you. Oh, that's it. Would you lift your voice and pray? If not for yourself, would you pray for one another right now? You've already paid the price, God. You've already paid the price, God. We are free born into your spirit, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for that peace. 
speak peace, Lord, into the heart and the life of every person. Yes, in the name of Jesus. My brothers and my sisters, Lord, strengthen us, oh God. We're not strong enough on our own, God. We need you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I will trust and not be afraid. I will trust and not be afraid, oh God. You are the strong tower that we run to in a time of need, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are my strength and my song, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you today, oh God. We glorify you today, oh God. Oh, that's it, that's it. Cry out to him. In the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 Lord. Wrap your arms of love around your people today, oh God. Cover them with that blanket of peace. Yes, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for that love? Aren't you thankful for that peace? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel compelled in the Holy Ghost to say this. Some of you are facing things that are bigger than you are. You're struggling with things not because you're a bad person, but because you're a human being. And you've got some things that you're facing right now that are bigger than you are. I've come to tell you, they're not bigger than God. I said they're not bigger than God. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I said he's going to make a way. He's going to bring deliverance. He's going to bring freedom. I want you to get a hold of some of the promises of God. Hallelujah. And I want you to say them over and over until God gives you freedom. I will trust and not be afraid. For if God be for us, who can be against us? Even if you look at the disciples before Calvary, Peter was fearful, denied the Lord three times. 
But there was something about after the Holy Ghost came upon him. They could put him in prison. He wasn't even afraid. The angel would come in the middle of the night and just open up the doors like doors to Walmart, just opening up on their own. There's something about when the Lord, hallelujah, is on your side, hallelujah. He's going to make a way, hallelujah. God bless you this morning. Why don't you hug your brother and sister? Tell them if you ever need anybody to pray for you, I'm here for you. Love lifted us, hallelujah. That's it.